Okay, so let's continue. So the first verse I want us to read is Luke chapter 8, 18, 18 sorry, Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Luke, the book of Luke, chapter 18. Luke, chapter 18, verse 1, okay? And he spoke a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. So the Bible says that Jesus Christ gave them a parable, and the purpose of the parable, the sole essence of the parable, the end goal of the parable was not just to share a story with them, but was to teach them that men ought always to pray and not to faint. So when Jesus Christ gave this parable, what he had in mind was to explain to the disciples the fact that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And then the, the parable goes on and on to um, explain prayer about the, the, the widow and then the unjust judge, okay? Now, he says men ought always to pray. When, when he says men here, it's not referring to the male gender alone. He's talking about mankind. And he says mankind ought always to pray. There are, things, there are certain things that are that is a must on God's agenda concerning humanity. It's just the same way, um, the same way if you are a human being, you need to breathe in air, no matter what kind of human being you are. Whether you are from Asia, you are from America, you are from Africa, you are from Europe, you are from wherever, think about it, anywhere in the world. The Bible says, um, sorry, any man or any, any human being would have to breathe in air. Your nationality doesn't matter. In fact, whether you are rich or poor doesn't matter. You must still breathe in air. Whether you went to, you've gone to school or not, you must still breathe in air. So there is no, there's no, as long as a human being, you must breathe in air. It is the same way the Bible says that men ought always to pray as long as you're a human being. Whether you are a rich human being, you must pray. Whether you are a poor human being, you must pray. Whether you are an African human being, you must pray. Do you understand what I'm saying? Whether you are an American human being, you must pray. Thank you, Jesus. And prayer is not exclusive to pastors or ministers or what, what we call in Nigeria, spirit, Coco. As long as you are a human being, God wired you in such a way that prayer is an essential part of your lifestyle. What that also means is that, you know, on, on, a, on a human fiscal um, standpoint, when someone stops breathing in air, after a while the person dies because there's no longer air in, his, in the circulation or in the, in the person's um, body circulation, body system. There's no longer air circulating in the person's body. It is the same way too that as long as you are, you are a, an alive Christian, you must pray. The moment you remove prayer from your experience and from your exercise, then you begin to die. And it gets to a point where there's no longer, there's no more prayer circulating in you, then you die. And death here doesn't mean cessation of life, that ceasing to exist. Rather, death means you begin to witness the operations of the flesh. Remember, the Bible explains to us that we were we have been made alive now in Christ Jesus. All right. And then death reigns through sin. And when Jesus Christ came, he took away the sinful nature and gave us the righteous nature, meaning he took away the basis upon which death can, can begin to operate, all right? But when we stop praying or when we withdraw from prayer for, especially for an extended period, 
what happens is that death begins to manifest in our lives or the, the, the effect of death, meaning the effect of the old nature begins to play out in our life. And that is why you can see some Christians who are really Christians, but then acting like people of the world. And if you investigate their life, you see that prayer has been, prayer is, prayer has been absent, all right? And if you can do this for yourself, check your own life and test yourself. Find out that the, the periods where you are acting like an unbeliever or you are short-tempered or you are unforgiving or you are quick to react to, to, to little things or you, are, you find yourself in lust or you find yourself lying or whatever it is, you check those periods, you find out that your prayer experience drops. And that is because prayer is like oxygen. If you stop, pray, stop breathing, you will die. If you stop praying, death will begin to manifest in your life. And you begin to see the the um, the the results and the activities of your falling of the falling nature. The experiences of the old man will begin to play out in your life, even though you are a believer. So prayer is super 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 important. All right, Jesus Christ said, "Men ought always to pray and not to faint." Let me tell say another thing again using the illustration of breathing. All right, for instance, if you are, you are, I mean, we all breathe. In fact, we breathe, many times we breathe unconsciously such that the moment you begin to be conscious of your breathing, your breathing becomes even difficult, all right? That's how, how much of an unconscious action breathing is to us. And God designed prayer to be that way as well, that we live by prayer. We are sustained in our spirit by prayer. Do you understand this? You know, if, for instance, you want to have dinner or you want to, yeah, let's say you want to have dinner, do you say, oh, let me, let me stop breathing so that I can eat dinner? No, you eat dinner and you, you continue breathing. Let's say you want to go to the office and you say, oh, no, today I have a very busy day at work. Um, you know what, let me just stop breathing so, I, so that I can go to office and concentrate on my work. Will you do that? Absolutely no. You go to your work and you, you continue breathing. Okay, let's say, you know what, I really want to just go on vacation. I don't want any disturbance. There's just too much stress in the city. Will you say, let me stop breathing so that I can go on vacation? The answer is no. What I'm trying to bring to you is that prayer should be like breathing. You should not stop prayer because you want to do something else. You know, you hear, you hear a lot of people say, um, especially when they, when they talk about the country, you say, uh, we've prayed enough, we've prayed enough, it's time to take action. And you hear them say things like, uh, we've been praying for, for so many years now, we've not seen any results, it's time for us to take action. And then subconsciously, communicate that we should cease prayer so that we can implement actions. But I'm telling you that that's one of the biggest lies of the devil. You cannot stop prayer to do anything. You, you, you do anything you want to do and you pray as well. Do you understand? You do what you are doing with prayer. Yes, we, there are times to take action, but you don't stop prayer so that you take action. You pray while taking the action. Meaning prayer should become like breathing to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Someone says, you know, you've been praying so much for a job. Right, it's time to stop praying and start, start sending your CVs. No, you send your CVs and you are praying for the job. Someone says, you've been praying for this business, praying for this business for long. It, it hasn't this prayer, isn't this prayer enough? Why not stop the prayer? And then it's time for you to take big steps. Take big steps. You've been praying too much. Take big steps. Listen to me. You don't stop prayer to do anything. You do whatever you need to do all the while praying. In fact, the Bible says to concerning Jesus, let, let, let me read it. It's not on our slides, but let me just read it quickly. Um, Matthew chapter, um, hold, hold on, this is Matthew now. 
Matthew chapter. Please give me a minute. Let me just let me just find this now. Um, where John where John baptized Jesus, and the Bible says Jesus Christ was praying while, while praying was was being baptized. Um, give me a minute to just find the exact scripture. Um. Um. So this is not in John. This is in. This is in. Sorry, this is not in Matthew. Rather, this should be in Luke. Please pardon me, guys. I just want to look for a scripture that is very vital to what I'm saying. Because I'll show you something in there. Okay, good. Luke chapter three, verse twenty-one. All right. This was when Jesus Christ was at John the Baptist's place, right? Bapti being baptized um, at the river of Jordan. Okay. And the Bible says in verse 21, now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened. Listen, every other person was just baptized, but Jesus Christ was baptized and praying. Jesus Christ was baptized and praying. The Bible says, and the heavens were opened. So I'm telling you that don't stop what you are doing. Don't stop prayer because of something you want to do. And it may sound like a very logical or a very logical, or what's the word now, a logical and energetic statement to make to say, you know what, you've been, we've been praying so much in this country, let's stop praying and let's take action. Listen to me, don't ever stop praying because you want to take action. You take the action while praying. That's the only way you can see the heavens open over your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I know you might have been praying for years and years, yes. And then it's, a, it's time to take action, but take the action all the while praying. Because Jesus said, men ought always to pray and never to faint. Men ought always to pray. So you can be walking in your office and you are praying under your breath. You are praying under your breath. You are praying under your breath. You might be in a bus. You might be driving. You pray under your breath or pray. If you are alone in the car, by all means, pray as audible as you want to. Okay? You can be... See, listen to me. There was a time I went to... There's a time I went to, to cinema to see a movie. And there was so much prayer in my spirit. I prayed, I prayed all, all through the movie we were seeing in the cinema. I, I went with my friends. But I could not stop the prayer that was in my heart. Of course, I didn't disturb anybody. I was praying under my breath. But I just had to give expression to the prayer. I'm saying you can pray and do anything you need to do. And there's, there's something I said to someone one time. I said, if you are not talking to anybody, then you can be talking to God. If, you are, if I'm not talking to my friends or talking to my husband or talking to my colleagues at work, I'm talking to my wife, sorry, or talking to my colleagues at work, then I can be talking to God at, in the, um, um, at the same time. You understand? And if you have a job that doesn't require you interfacing with customers a lot or talking with them, then you have a perfect opportunity to use, to use some hours out of the eight hours to spend time praying. What I'm emphasizing on is that men ought always to pray. Men there means men and women, mankind. God wired us in such a way that if we don't pray, then we faint, we die. We, we lose value, we lose substance. We become weary in our soul, in our souls the moment prayer is subtracted from our experience, all right? So the first thing I want to emphasize is that prayer is an essential part of your existence. You cannot be a Christian and not pray. It's like saying you are a human being and not breathing in air. It's just a matter of seconds. You will pass out, you will die. So prayer is as important as breathing is to us. All right? So men ought always to pray and not to faint. And let me just add here again before I move on to the next verse, that the moment you are not praying, then you are fainting. The and I heard this from a man of God. He said the opposite of prayer, of, of um, what's it called? 
The opposite of prayerfulness is not prayerlessness. The opposite of prayerfulness is, is fainting because men ought always to pray and not to faint. So if you are not praying, you are not fainting. And you, if, you, if, you, if you've been observant in your life, you will know that the seasons where you didn't devote time to prayer and you are not consistent in prayer, then you notice that you are fainting. Fainting means your energy in life began to drop. Your disposition towards spiritual things began to drop. You became more, more prone to the attack of enemy on your emotions, on your soul, on your, on your appetites, on your attitude. You became more prone to the attack of, of the enemy on those areas. That is a sign that you are fainting. Any little thing, you are angry, is a sign that you are fainting. And the antidote to fainting is prayer. There's no substitute. Listen, there's no motivational talk that will substitute prayer. There is no, there is no amount of ginger that will substitute prayer. There's no amount of Bible study that will substitute prayer. You know what I'm saying? In fact, if you really study your Bible enough, it will naturally propel you into the place of prayer. Except you're just, you're just entertaining your mind. But if you are engaging the spirit in, in, in your Bible study, it will naturally propel you to prayer. You will strike a verse that, that verse will stir up prayer in your heart and you will pray for, 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 for longer than you ever expected. All right? So remember, men ought always to pray and not to faint. If you see yourself not praying, just know that fainting is around the corner. And the Bible says also in the book of Proverbs that if you faint in the day of adversity, then your strength is small. Meaning that if you if you don't, you remember um, where we read says, Luke 18, says, men ought always to pray and not to faint. Then Proverbs says, if you faint in the day of adversity, what that means is that if you are not praying, when the day of adversity comes, you will faint. And if you faint in the day of adversity, then your strength is small. It is not as if the adversity is big, but your strength is small. There are, see, there are some adversities you encounter that can make you faint. That is, you can make your, it can make your life drop by every standard. There are people that have experienced bad business deals and they never recovered from those business deals. Meanwhile, there are people that, that went through losses in business, right? And yet they bounced back and the losses they experienced was more than those that fainted. For instance, somebody did, let's say, business deal and lost 5 million naira, and the person was never able to bounce back from that 5 million naira or from that experience that or, um, loss that he, he experienced. Someone else lost maybe 30 million naira, but the person bounced back in a month, continued living his life and was happy as though nothing happened. Why did the person that lost 5 million um, faint? Is because that person didn't have sufficient prayer in his soul. While the person that lost 30 million could still continue living life joyfully because there was sufficient prayer in the person's soul. So if you faint in the day of adversity, it is that you have not been staying in the place of prayer. All right? Your strength was small, you were fainting, and then the adversity just crushed you. All right? Let me show us one ex um, a personal experience. You know, in the year, what's it called? This was year 2014. Right. One day I went to church in the morning, Sunday morning, like this. This was this was towards the end of end of October. I think it was the last Sunday in October or so. Anyways, I went to church and I don't remember what the pastor was preaching, but there was something he said that immediately he said it. God spoke to my heart through what he said. And what God impressed on my heart was to fast for the next 40 days. I did not know why I was fasting, I did not know what was going on. But I just obeyed. So the next day was Monday, right? And that was the first 
first of November, I believe, if my, if my dates are accurate, that was accurate rather, that must have been the first of November, or at least one of the first few days in November. And so I began to fast, and I fasted from, for the next 40 days. <clears throat> All the while, while I fasted, I, didn't, I couldn't tell exactly why I want, God wanted me to fast, but I knew I needed to fast, and God spoke to me in different areas and in, in, you know, concerning different things. So that year ended, and fast forward to the year 2015, in the month, in month of, I think, uh, sorry, in the month of April, yes, my dad now passed on in the month of April, the following year. And I, I shocked myself because my response was not, was unlike any response I would have expected from me. And I, I mean, mind you, I really, really love my dad. But what I noticed was that I was not, the, his passing away did not shake me. He did not, he did not sweep me under my feet and I, and I wasn't, I didn't fall down. I had a, a, a deep sense of composure, a deep sense of stability, a deep sense of peace. And I said, as I had to ask myself, why, why was I this calm and this peaceful, even though all of this was going on? And it was then the Holy Spirit now brought me back to my fasting the previous year. And I now deduced that it was that period of fasting that gave me strength and prepared me for this experience. What I'm saying to you is that there are many seasons of adversities that will come to your life. See, the Bible says, if you faint in the day of adversity, meaning that the day of adversity is not optional. The day of adversity will come, whether you like it or not. Remember the story of the, of the two people that uh, the part where Jesus Christ gave, the two people that built their houses, one built on the rock, the other built on sand. The same storm came on both of them. There was no, there was no favoritism. What I'm saying is that life will throw you storms at you. And I know you are a Christian. I know God loves you. I know you are a believer, praying in tongues, filled with the Holy Ghost, serving God in your church, in your, in your community. Yes, I know. But adversity will always come. Your deliverance in the day of adversity is that you built up strength. The only way you can build up strength is in the place of prayer. Because men ought always to pray and not to faint. The moment you stop praying, you begin to faint. And so that period, I noticed that I was strong, I was energetic. The incident didn't break me down or, or anything like that. And I knew that God prepared me in advance with those uh, 40 days of fasting. So I'm telling you now that if you see yourself not praying, then you are most likely to be overwhelmed by an adversity that will come. For some people, you might, you might, and I say, let, me, let me say this with all, <coughs> with all um, awareness. I'm not wishing anybody bad, but there are some times when Adversity is just hanging around the corner. For some people, you may, you may be losing your job. Some people have lost their jobs and they never recovered from it. And you ask me, did God love them? And I'll tell you, God absolutely loved them. What was the fault? Number one is that they did not maintain consistent prayer to build energy, right? And secondly, to build discernment. Because all things work together for our good. The Bible didn't say all good things work together for our good. It says all things whether they look good or they don't look good, whether they look pleasant or they don't look pleasant. The Bible says all things work together for our good. The only way we can, and, and you know, the Bible also says that he who endures to the end will be saved. Meaning if something that looks unpleasant, right, happens to a believer, the only way that believer would, would, get, would enjoy salvation from that thing is if the believer can endure to the end of that experience. And at the end of that experience, he will get a lot more than he thinks he has, he has lost you, you see the salvation of God at the end. But many believers never endure to the end. And the reason why many believers never endure to the end is because there's no sufficient, sufficient prayer power in their spirits to sustain them through an experience. Do you understand what I mean? 
So someone may be going through a season, let's say, again, again, back to jobs. The person is applying for jobs, applying for jobs, and the person is almost discouraged. Meanwhile, God had already designed that period of, quote and unquote, joblessness so that the person can spend more time with him, fellowship more. And then at the end of that period, God had already prepared a job that would, that for the person that is bigger than the person's imagination. But if that person faints in the period of waiting, then you will never get the, the, the end result that God has prepared for him. And the only way we can go through that period of waiting without fainting is when we stay in the place of prayer. So I really want to encourage everyone, if your prayer life is, if your prayer experience is dropping, please jack it back up. There's a lot God has in stock for you. You will never get the best of God if you don't maintain a consistent prayer um, exercise and adventure with God, all right? Okay, so men ought always to pray and not to faint. All right, second verse of scripture. It's surprising that this was just the introduction. All right, Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Please read for us if you are there. Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Anyone there? All right, let me read. Praise the Lord. Okay, hallelujah. Go ahead, please. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know how, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Hmm. Hallelujah. All right, so Amen. let me just take that again. So it says, first of all, right, there's a fundamental and inherent weakness in every human being. And mind you, this weakness was right from creation. God intentionally put that weakness or put that gap so that... <clears throat> he will be the only one that would feel it and he'll be the only one that would satisfy it, all right? So it says that likewise, the Holy Spirit helps our infirmities. Infirmities, infirmities then mean, means an inherent weakness. And what is that weakness? It says that we do not know what we should pray for uh, as we ought to. So it's a, prayer, it's a prayer gap that is there. And the gap is that we don't know what we should pray for. Even if we know what we should pray for, we don't even know how we ought to pray for it. If, for instance, I tell you, um, pray for your job, your, your, your most, I mean, your most logical reaction or response to the prayer or your most logical um, expression of the prayer would be, oh, Lord, I pray for, for favor with my, with my boss. I pray for increased salary. I pray for wisdom to deliver. But that may not even be what God wants you to pray for about your job. So, yes, you may know that you ought to pray for your job, but you may not know how God wants you to pray for that job. Also, if, for instance, God says, pray for your family. Or, or, or I raise a prayer point and I say, pray for your family. You might, there are a million or one things you can pray for your family. You can pray for deliverance, pray for health, pray for provision, pray for direction, pray for so many things. But then how do you ought to pray? The Bible says that that is a weakness. However, it is the Holy Spirit that comes to help us in that weakness. But we know not what we ought to, to pray for. We, don't, we know not what we should pray for as we ought to. But the spirit himself makes intercession, all right? With groanings which cannot be, which cannot be, uh, which cannot be uttered, I beg your pardon. Then verse 27 says, and he that searches the heart knoweth what is the mind of the spirit, 
because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And then verse 28 that we popularly quote, and we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God and to them that are called according to his purposes. So how, why, before we get to verse 28 that we love quoting a lot, we need to know that verse 26 and 27 exist, that the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. So as we submit ourselves to prayer, the Holy Spirit begins to assist us in prayer. And as a result of that prayer, then all things work together for our good. So it's not just a blank or blank, uh, it's not just a blanket statement where we say all things work together for, for our good. You know, someone that hasn't, someone that doesn't pray will come up and say, you know, all things work together for my good. I assure you, it works work together for your good just like that. <laughs> it works together for your good because you have been practicing verse 26. 26 says the Holy Spirit helps us, helps our infirmities in the place of prayer. So as we devote ourselves to prayer, the Holy Ghost assists us in prayer. And then we now see the result in verse 28. All things work together for our good because we love God and are called according to his purposes. All right. So again, this is to encourage us and, and uh, inspire us in the place of prayer. Prayer should not be lacking in our lives. All right. So I said a few things here. I said here that prayer is a spiritual adventure designed to be facilitated by the Holy Spirit. God did not design for us to execute prayer without the help of the Holy Spirit. It is a, a, an effort in futility to try to pray without the Holy Spirit helping you to pray. So prayer is a spiritual adventure designed to be facilitated by the Holy Spirit. If you exempt the Holy Spirit from prayer, it becomes a monologue recitation. You know, there are people that, and this was just guys explained in Matthew, that the, the Pharisees think that it's by the, by the numerous words that they speak and by repetition that God will hear them. No, the reason why their prayer is not powerful is because they, the Spirit doesn't facilitate it, okay? And if we remove prayer from, from remove Holy Spirit rather from our prayer experience, then I assure you we are, we are no better than other religions. The reason why our prayer is powerful is not because we, we pray loudest or we pray the most. In fact, there are certain religions that pray a lot more than many Christians do. The reason why our prayer is powerful is because it is energized by a spirit. It is energized by the Holy Ghost. So I can close my eyes and pray now. And I know my prayer would have tremendous effect and tremendous impact because I, my prayer is sponsored by the Holy Spirit. There's an energy that facilitates the prayer that I'm executing. Me, whereas an unbeliever or someone from another religion, his prayer doesn't have effect because there's no spirit sponsoring it, all right? Once the Holy Spirit is involved, then result is setting. But the moment you remove the Holy Spirit from prayer, then we are just, we are, it's just a caricature. We, I might as well go and read a book from Shakespeare and recite the whole book right than pray. All right, so secondly, I said, prayer opens the channels for the expression of what God has deposited in you. This is super, super powerful because in prayer, you are partnering with the Holy Ghost. Remember where we read in Romans 8, 26, it says the Holy Spirit helps our infirmity, meaning the Holy Spirit joins us in that activity we are doing. If I'm trying to lift this table, for instance, I, I know you guys can't see the table, but there's a table that my laptop is sitting on right now. If I'm trying to lift this table and it's too heavy, I can call for assistance and someone helps me to carry the table, okay? But if I'm not carrying the table and I just call for someone to help me, 
they, can't, they are really not helping me in that sense. They are just doing it on my behalf. But the Bible says the Holy Spirit helps us, meaning that we have to be, we have to, we have to participate in the activity for the Holy Ghost to help us. So you can't just fold your hands and say, well, the Holy Spirit helped me pray. And then you are sipping juice and you are, you are taking shawarma. And I say, yes, the Holy Spirit helped me pray. That's, that's laziness. But when you employ discipline to prayer, then the Holy Ghost can now come and help you. All right. And because of that union, that, that um, partnership, what God has deposited in your heart, in your life, the grace of God, the gifts of God, the abilities of God will begin to find expression because you spend time praying. And I said here that the more you pray, the more you see the expression of what God has deposited in you. Let me give you an instance for, for um, let me give you an example. If let's say we are 10 of us, or let's say all of us on this Bible study currently, we gather together and we're praying. Let's say we're all just praying in tongues, no specific prayer point, we're all just praying in the spirit. After some time, you'll find out that if everyone is given an opportunity to express themselves, right, as a result of prayer, everybody will express his or herself in alignment with the deposit that God has placed in you. So, for instance, if someone is, is giving, has the gift of prophecy, after some time in prayer, you see that the prophetic gift begins to manifest. If someone is, has the gift of, um, let's say someone is called, is, is called to, into the music industry or into the music ministry, sorry, what will happen after some time of prayer is that the person will begin to receive songs and inspiration for music. If someone is called to be a teacher, the person will begin to get understanding and illumination into the word of God for teaching especially. This is in the same period of prayer without any prayer points. So most times what happens in, in prayer is that the, the expressions of the Holy Ghost within us begin to come out. Someone is, is, someone is blessed with a gift, of a, or a gift to draw or to be an artist. You see that those dimensions begin to find expression the more you spend time in prayer, all right? So prayer opens the channels for the expressions of what God has deposited in you. And again, like I said, the more you pray, the more you see the expressions of what God has placed inside of you. Praise God. All right, so I want us to move to then see two ways that the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. Two ways that the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. But before I continue, I just want to show we're together. So if we're together, drop a comment for me. Give me a thumbs up. Let me know you can hear me. Let me know you're following so far. Let me know we are together on this call. All right. If you're on Mixer and on Zoom, please give me a thumbs up. Um, let me know or drop a comment or just say something. Let me know you are with me. All right. I'm waiting for us. If you are with me, let's... Um, let me know, let me know in the comment section. If you've been following so far, just let me know so that we can move ahead. All right, someone on Zoom, yes, has given a thumbs up. Thank you, Adebayo. God bless you. Anyone else following so far? Drop a thumbs up or drop a comment. Let me know we are together. Okay, on Mixellar, yes, I see your thumbs up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I see another thumbs up on Mixellar. Okay, awesome, great. So we are together, let's proceed then. So how does the Holy Ghost help, help us pray? Because we say that the Holy Spirit helps us pray. Yes. So what are the ways he helps us to pray? So I want us to look at just two ways. There are many other ways, but I want us to look at two ways the Holy Ghost helps us facilitate prayer, helps us facilitate the adventure of prayer. Number one, 
right? He does this by quickening us. Number one, he does this by quickening us. So let us read Psalms 18, verse, Psalms 18, verse 18. Psalms 18, verse 18, right? Psalms 80, verse 18. Let's read it together. Um, if you're there, please read for us. Psalms 80, verse 18. The Holy Spirit helps us in prayer, number one, by quickening us. All right, so let me read. So will not we go back from thee? He says, quicken us, and we will call upon your name. The psalmist said, we will not go back from thee, we will not turn away. Meaning, you know, you know, you know, in Nigeria, when they say, we die here, that's what it means. What that means is that we stay here until we see the eventual result, until we see what we are looking for. That's what the psalmist was saying here. That so will we not go back from thee. He says, quicken us and we will call upon your name. Meaning that when you quicken us, then we will pray. Then we will call upon your name. So one of the ways the Holy Ghost helps us is by quickening us. I'm going to look at what quickening means. But he quickens us and then we can pray. He quickens us and then we call upon his name. All right. Second scripture is John chapter 6, verse 63. You can go ahead and read if you are there. John chapter 6, verse 63. John chapter 6, verse 63. Okay, let me read it. It says that it is the spirit that quickens. It is the spirit that quickens. Meaning it is not, it is not, I'll say something. Yes, I know a lot of us, love listening to songs while we pray. And I do that a whole lot. I even did that before prayer. But when you listen to songs, all right, and you feel energized to, to pray, it is not that the song was what energized you to pray. It was that the spirit of God flowed through the song to energize you to pray because it is the spirit that quickens. Whenever, maybe sometimes you just wake up in the middle of the night and you just feel like, like praying. It is not because you are very disciplined. It is the spirit that quickens. If you are maybe at work and all of a sudden you just feel a notch to pray, it is not because you are the most spiritual, but it is because the spirit, it is the spirit that quickens. Every experience of quickening happens by the Holy Ghost. It is the Holy Ghost's responsibility to quicken us. All right. So it says it is the spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. Meaning that if you try to do something in the flesh, eh, you try to have you ever have you ever heard somebody lead prayer and a person is leading prayer and shouting and raising his voice or her voice but you know that there's no spirit in this prayer the person is just trying to he's just trying to what's the word he's trying to 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 again he's trying to ginger us to pray but there's no spirit in prayer you know you can do something out of the flesh even even your own life <clears throat> have you ever gone to a place of prayer and just say okay yes let me pray and just start praying after after what seems like 40 minutes, you open your eyes and you find out that you've only spent five minutes. You can start doing something in the flesh and you, you will not go far because it is the spirit that quickens. So when it comes to prayer, the Holy Spirit has to quicken you. And the psalmist said, we will not go from here. Quicken us and we'll call upon your name. Quicken us and then we will pray. So there's the disposition of heart we need to sustain that says, Lord, if you don't quicken us in prayer, then I'm not, we're not going to leave the place of prayer. And what we suggest to you is that you might start your prayer in a mechanic way, for lack of a better word. 
So you might start your prayer and it feels mechanical. It feels like a struggle. Don't stop praying because it feels like a struggle. Stay in the place of prayer until the Holy Ghost quickens you. When the Holy Ghost quickens you, it's like when you pour oil in a gear. The gear runs smoothly because there's oil in between. That is what the quickening of the Holy Ghost does. Your prayer can start mechanical. You are struggling. You are struggling. Maybe you start, you start praying and then you are thinking of plantain or you are thinking of jello fries or you are thinking of a movie you watched yesterday or you are thinking of something or different things. Think of what um, project at work. Your mind is just going here and there. You are, you are struggling to keep your mind focused in prayer. Don't stop praying. Continue praying. Stay in the place of prayer. If you stay long enough, the Holy Ghost will quicken you. When the Holy Ghost quickens you, your prayer becomes effortless. It's, again, it's like when you pour oil in between a gear. The gear just runs smoothly. You know, my wife used to have a manual car before we got married. That manual car, oh my God, you needed strength to drive the manual car. It was an old Cujo. And you had to, you had to, if you're driving a, a default manual car, you had to enter the gear. And when they say engage it, you literally have to engage the gear. All right. That was because it was, it was steep. But, but when you have a brand new, even with a brand new manual car, the gear just is, is effortless to move because it is greased. There's oil in between. That's what the quickening of the Holy Ghost means in prayer. It makes prayer effortless, okay? So I said here that the quickening of the Spirit in prayer happens when there is a supernatural supply of spirit energy to help during prayer. Let me take that again. The quickening of the spirit in prayer happens when there is a supernatural supply of spirit energy to help during prayer. All right, and, and this is a very practical um, experience. So <clears throat> I'm gonna use a lot of, um, of, of experience to explain it. You know, have you been, and I'm sure a lot of us has, have experienced this. You go, you, you go to pray and for the first 10 minutes, you are still struggling. Your, your, your tongues, you are praying in tongues, but the tongue still dry. You are doing shaka, balala, 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 and everything just feels so dry, and you are wondering what is going on. You continue praying, and you have to exert your will and exert a lot of physical energy to continue praying. You do that for another 30 minutes. By the time you start getting to 45 minutes, the prayer you, you begins to get sweeter, Okay the prayer begins to get more interesting. It's like you, have, you begin to get the juice out of the prayer. By the time you hit one hour in prayer, you, you, your tongues change. In fact, your prayer just flows effortlessly. What happened at that point is that the Holy Ghost quickened you. Now, there are several times when the Holy Ghost quickens you from the beginning of your prayer, all right? At the moment you start praying, you are quickened. But there are other times where you have to exert your will, force yourself to say, I will stay in prayer. You know, and that this is why having a time for prayer is very important. In fact, telling yourself that you will not pray, you will not pray shorter than one hour so that you can discipline yourself also comes in handy. Yes, I know there are times you may not be able to pray as long as you want to, but what I'm saying is having discipline plays a very crucial role because there are many times you go to pray and for the first several minutes, the prayer just feels dry. It almost feels like, well, let me just stop my prayer and go and sleep. Maybe when I sleep and wake up, I'll pray better. Or let me just stop my prayer and go and watch a movie. Then later I would, I'll come back and pray. No. Stay in the place of prayer until there's a supply of spirit energy and your prayer becomes sweeter, okay? And I said here that the Holy Spirit quickens us so we can... No, there's, there's a, sorry, there's a point before this. All right. 
before this point I'm, I'm talking about, there's a point I said here that the cure to the weakness of the flesh is to be quickened. Remember Jesus Christ said, <laughs> the spirit is, weakened, is, is willing, sorry. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The cure to that weakness of the flesh is to be quickened in the place of prayer. And the weakness of the flesh plays out in so many ways. Number one could be, be actual physical tiredness. You want to pray, but you're physically tired, all right? Or you want to pray, but there's no zeal, there's no desire to pray. You rather watch um, Squid Game, I mean, Squid Game, what's that movie, that series? You rather watch Game of Thrones, you rather watch uh, whatever it is, um, whatever series you're watching, than to pray. That is a weakness of the flesh. But how you deal with the weakness of the flesh is to stay in the place of prayer until you are quickened. When, when you are quickened, the hold that the flesh has on you is broken, all right? Then next, I said that the Holy Spirit quickens us so that we can interact with and participate in his current reality in the realm of the Spirit. Let me take that again. The Holy Spirit quickens us so that we can interact with and participate in his current reality in the realm of the Spirit. Simply put, to participate in spiritual realities. Now, have you ever had this experience that when you are praying, let's say for, you've been praying for a while, and all of a sudden, you just have a nudge in your spirit to start dancing. There is no music, but you just have an impression in your heart to start dancing. As you obey that impression, you notice that the presence of the Holy Ghost with you begins to increase and begins to be magnified. Or let's say you're praying, and then you feel inspired to sing a particular song. And as you sing that song, the presence of the Holy Ghost begins to enlarge in your heart, all right? Or maybe you are, you are praying, and in, as, in the course of a prayer, you get a nudging to begin to make prophetic declarations, to begin to say certain words and declare the scriptures over certain areas of your life. What is happening is that you are quickened. You are being quickened in a place of prayer. And as you are being quickened, the Holy Ghost is leading you to participate in spiritual realities. You see, I assure you that as you make those spiritual declarations, you might be giving angels the raw materials to, to, to carry out the assignment. You might be causing changes in the realm of spirit to align with God's, God's will for your life. You may not see it or know it immediately, but every obedience you execute as you are quickened is, a, is very prophetic in nature. You are aligning with the current realities of the, of the Holy Ghost in the realm of the spirit. There are sometimes the Holy Ghost just wants you to dance and just love upon him and just worship him. If you, if you say, no, I must pray, don't, I must pray hard, I must kabash, you miss out of the flow of the Holy Ghost. Remember, the Holy Spirit is, is a person, so he's not just a principle or that will say, oh, principles of prayer, you must do this, you must do that. No, he's a person. So he might want you to do different things because he's a person, he has a will, he has a choice, all right? So as we yield to his quickening in the place of prayer, we respond to the Holy Spirit and then we participate a lot more with, uh, in, his, in the spiritual realities that are contained in his realm. I really hope this point was um, explained well enough for you to understand. Right? But if you don't understand, you can ask questions at the end of today's class. Okay, lastly, I said, if we are not picking, prayer will be dry and difficult. Every time someone tells me, Kai, Victor, prayer is dry, you, I don't like prayer. Maybe ask someone, how long do you pray? Say, I pray for 15 minutes or 20 minutes a max. I cannot do more than 20 minutes. I say, why? I say, ah. Sometimes prayer is just dry, prayer is dry, prayer is hard. I can, without a, any doubt, tell you that that person 
doesn't experience being quickened in prayer. If you are quickened in prayer, prayer will be sweet. You will not need anybody to cajole you. You will stay in and pray. In fact, most times, if almost always, when people spend long hours praying, it, yes, I know they are disciplined, but they, it gets to a point where discipline stops and then quickening starts. People don't pray long simply because they are disciplined. People pray long because they are quickened. Discipline will get you to the point of being quickened. Then quickening will take you further than your natural ability. Because when you talk of discipline, you talk of how, much, how you have trained yourself to stay, okay? But I'm telling you that prayer is a spiritual adventure, it's a spiritual exercise. You cannot do it because you are simply disciplined. You have to continue in it because you are quickened. So discipline will get you to the point of being quickened, but quickening will take you further in the place of prayer. So if you see people praying for five hours, six hours, 10 hours, 24 hours, it is not that they are, they are trying to beat or try to create a, a um, put their name in Guinness Book of World Record. No, they are just being quickened by the Holy Spirit. You know, um, I was sharing the other day the story of uh, Prophet Ayobabalola and how that he could stay in a spot and pray. And the people he, were, he was praying with would leave, leave him after some hours, maybe after three hours or six hours, they leave him. And then they go home, come back the next day, and they find him standing in the exact same spot he, this, he was standing, praying for 24 hours. It is not discipline that does that, let me tell you. It is being quickened. And the quickening has dimensions, just to put it out there, all right? So you cannot discipline yourself into, you can't just discipline yourself into praying long. You discipline yourself to pray, okay, and stay in the place of prayer until you are quickened. And when you are quickened, you begin to glide. It's like when the wind, when the wind carries an eagle, the eagle doesn't flap anymore, right? The wind just carries the eagle. The eagle rests on the wind and the wind takes the eagle. That's how it is in the place of prayer. You might start with flapping, that's the eagle starts with flapping its wings, but after you gain, the eagle, eagle gains ascendancy to a level, then the wind just takes the eagle. The eagle doesn't stress it itself flapping again. It's the same thing too in the place of prayer. You might start off with your efforts, with your will, with discipline, but then it gets to a point where the wind of the Spirit of God just carries you in the place of prayer. It is at that point that you are you actually enjoy the prayer the most. Okay, so I said if we are not quickened in the place of prayer, prayer would be dry and difficult. See, listen, I pray for us this evening that that the Spirit of grace and supplication will come upon everybody. Whether you are present live or you listen to this um, to this later, right? I my prayer is that the spirit of grace and supplication will come upon you in the name of Jesus Christ. All right, so I need to move quickly now. The, the second way the Holy Ghost helps us in the place of prayer is by giving us a burden, a spiritual burden. All right, um, Matthew chapter twenty six. Matthew chapter twenty six, verse thirty six to thirty four. I just want to show you the impact of the spiritual body. Uh, Matthew chapter 26. This was Jesus Christ at the Garden of Gethsemane. All right, so I'm going to read quickly from verse 36 to verse 44. Matthew 26, verse 36 to 44. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane and said unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. 
See, when Jesus Christ was going to pray, right, he took Peter, James, and John, and when he began to pray, the Bible says that he became, began to be very sorrowful and very heavy. There was nothing on the outside that could warrant him to be sorrowful. He did not lose a loved one. He did not lose a family member. He did not lose a business deal. Um, nobody stole his money. Nothing. He, it was in a place of prayer that he began to be sorrowful and he began to be heavy. <clears throat> that heaviness is what we refer to as a spiritual body. It's like a weight upon your heart that you, you, that, that can, you cannot just shake off any other means except through prayer. Okay? And before we continue, let me just say this, that whenever you feel a weight in your, on your heart, you feel that burden on your heart, don't shush it away. Don't say, oh, well, let me just slip it away or let me go and gist with my friends or let me go and watch a movie or let me, let me go and play a game or just do something that would distract me from what's going on in my heart. No, don't do that. Go to the place of prayer. Only prayer can, can sufficiently prosecute a burden that you feel in your heart, okay? So back to our study, back to our scripture rather. Verse 38 again. Then said he unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. That means the, the amount of, the way he felt heavy, he felt heavy even to the point of death. He says, tarry ye here and watch with me. That is, the word watch there means pray, okay? Verse 39. And he went a little further, a little further, and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass away from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. So Jesus Christ went and began to pray about what he, what, pray about what was causing heaviness on his heart. See, let me just say this to a lot of us. If you don't pray out a spiritual burden, a season of your life may come that, that you, you may crumble you. Because Jesus Christ was coming Jesus Christ was going to enter into a very difficult season of his life where his disciples will leave him. Disciples he has been with for three, three and a half years. Disciples that he had invested time, invested resources. They had seen him do wonders and miracles. Yet these disciples will leave him. In fact, the one person, Peter, that, that kept on profess, um, professing love uh, for Jesus was going to leave Jesus. If you, are, if you operate from your flesh, that is enough to break you. It's almost like saying, um, you have a friend that you've invested in, or, or a mentee, you invested in years of investment and the person denies you and says, I don't know you. That thing can break your spirits. Do you understand? And people go through dark periods of their lives like this and they don't, they, they sense the body before this, the period comes, but they don't pray out that body. And because they don't pray out the body, they, when the season of their life comes, it overwhelms them. See, even Jesus Christ was considering the alternative. Jesus Christ was saying, if there is another way that will not carry this cup, that will not die on the cross, please, let's go that way. But he said, not my will, but your will. It is only in the place of prayer that we can receive strength to do the will of God, especially when the will of God is difficult. So whenever you sense a burden in your heart, don't just sit down and say, oh, this thing we go. Of a truth, after some days, the body might lift, but you would, you would have missed out what God was, was preparing you for, all right? So let's continue. Um, verse 40. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and said unto them, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Verse 41. Watch and pray that you, you enter not into temptation. 
The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Verse 42. He went on, he went away again the second time and prayed, saying, Oh my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. I want you to notice the progression of Jesus' prayer. Go, go to verse um, verse 39. He said, Oh my father, if it is be, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. So at the beginning of Jesus' prayer, he was considering an alternative. He said, Lord, I let this call pass away if it is possible. He said, not my will, but your will be done. As he continued in prayer, he began to receive strength, began to receive strength. You now notice that the prayer now changed in verse 42. He says, oh, my father, if this cup will not pass away from me, except I drink it, then let your will be done. So at this point, Jesus Christ was, was, had gradually now accepted that he had to drink this cup. Okay. And he then said, well, if there's no other way, I have to, but I have to drink it, then let your will be done. What I want to see is that on a natural basis, Jesus Christ was going to, was considering an alternative. <clears throat> but as he as he persisted in the place of prayer, he be, he began to receive strength, and he said, "Oh well, I know this is difficult, but Lord, no problem. If there's no other way, I accept Your will, and I, I will continue with it." Prayer gives you the strength to progress in the will of God. I I really want you to get this. There are some things that are difficult, and in your human nature, you would faint. You will not take it. But when you stay in the place of prayer, when the burden comes upon you and you begin to pray it, then you begin to receive strength. Okay? Now verse 43. And again, he came and found them asleep. Um, and he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. One thing I want you to see from, from as a result of, the, of this spiritual burden is that Jesus Christ prayed the same prayer three times. Now, I don't know how long he spent overall in prayer. The Bible doesn't give us the exact time. But he, what from his conversation, it, he, it suggests that it was not shorter than one hour because he told his disciples, couldn't you pray for me for at least an hour? And what I suggest to us is that he, he prayed for at least one hour. Me, this is my own, my own interpretation now. I suppose that Jesus Christ prayed at least three hours because the first time he came to meet his disciples must have been after one hour, he found them asleep and said, could you wait for one hour? And But they were already asleep. If he, going by, judging by that, and, and I, may, I may not be accurate with this, but judging by that, and he prayed, prayed that same prayer three times, it's very likely he prayed an average of three hours. But my emphasis is that he prayed the same prayer three times. When it comes to, to praying out a burden, don't just pray and say, oh, Lord, um, let's, for instance, practical example, God drops a burden for you to pray for your family. Don't just pray for a family and say, Lord, I pray for my family. I pray they are delivered. I pray they are saved. I pray you heal them. I pray provide for them. And then you end. You go away. No, you stay with that prayer as, as long as the burden is on your heart. What determines how long you pray is not your clock. It is the burden in your spirit. You stay in the place of prayer when there's a burden on your heart. Stay in the place of prayer until the burden lifts from you. That is what Jesus Christ did. He prayed the first time, the burden was still there. He prayed the second time, the burden was still there. He prayed the third time until the burden left. And when you read verse, verse, um, verse 45, he eventually came to his disciples and said, you know, the time has come, and he went on and on. What I'm saying is, as long as there's a burden in your heart, don't just pray once and be okay and say, oh, you know, I prayed for 
I prayed for three hours. Let me let me stop. Let me leave the matter. As long as there's a body, if that body is there, continue praying it until the burden is lifted. Some burdens might last a week, right? So you have to pray consistently over a week. But as long as the burden is there, stay in the place of prayer until that burden is lifted up, all right? Okay, so let me just read some points I, I said on the slide here. So I said that a burden in prayer is an insatiable desire to pray for what you may or may not be aware of. So a when a burden comes, you just feel the nudge to pray. You feel the, you know, just like the Bible says that he was, he was, um, how does he say now? Verse 37 says, he began to be sorrowful and very heavy. So that there was just this pressure on his heart and desire for him to pray. Now, sometimes you may not know what you are praying for. Other times you may know what you are praying for. And you know, sometimes it happens to me that there's just this desire to pray and I can't tell you why, ex what exactly it is I am praying for, but I know that I should pray. Listen to me, whether you know what you should pray for or not, go and pray. Fulfill that desire to pray and spend time praying. Many times in the process of prayer, you now discover what you are praying for. Sometimes you may actually never know what you are praying for, but as long as there's a body, pray for it. What God does is that he, you know, the Bible says, he goes, his eyes run to and fro the earth, right? That this is God himself. What God is doing sometimes is that he's looking for someone. You know, the Bible says in Ezekiel that I sought for a man, for, for one of them, right? Um, to stand in the gap and I found none. Many times God is searching to and fro and he's looking for a way to intercept in an affair on the earth, but he needs somebody to pray. So he's looking for the person that will fulfill a body of prayer. And when that burden of prayer comes to you and you obey it, whether you know what you're praying for or not, then God is pleased. And then God also has a legal right to interfere on a particular matter on earth. And this is super important to understand that the times when God leads you to pray, he is looking for a way to execute his agenda on the earth. And he needs someone to pray it because God cannot act except a human being prays. All right. So a burden is an insatiable desire to pray for what you may or may not be aware of. Um, I said here that God places a burden in one's heart to communicate its weight in his own heart. Let, let me explain this. That there's something on God's mind, right? For instance, let's say God wants to move in your family in a particular way. It's on the heart of God. What God then does is that he transfers what is in his heart into your own heart. So it comes to your heart as a burden to pray for your family. And when you receive that burden, I said, this in turn propels the person to pray the extra mile. Many times, a burden will drive you to pray longer than you normally would pray. A burden will drive you to pray longer than your routine prayer time. Yes, you have your time of prayer. Let's say you have your time of prayer from 9 to 10 p.m. When a burden comes upon you, you may pray from 9 to 12 midnight. Or because there's a body, it will drive you to pray longer than you want to pray. And that's because there's something on God's heart that he has translated and transferred into your own heart. And that, that, the weight of that thing propels you to pray longer than normal. Then I said also here that whenever there's a burden in your heart, God is trying to accomplish an agenda through you. And I just explained this some, some minutes ago, that God, God is looking for who will accommodate that burden so that he can bet it on the earth. When he sees you that you are willing, he drops the body in your heart and you pray it out. What you are doing is that 
You are giving God the opportunity to accomplish an agenda through your life. All right. Uh, I put two scriptural references here: First Samuel chapter one and John chapter. Okay, First Samuel chapter one, verses twelve to fifteen. That's the story of Hannah, and we see how the Hannah God wanted to. God wanted a prophet. Hannah wanted a son, and there was a burden in her heart. How do we know there's a burden? Because of the way she prayed. She prayed, and her lips were not moving. And the king said that you are drunk. Well, Hannah said, no, it's not drunkenness. It's that I'm really sorrowful. And she needed something. And that burden was what resulted in the prophet um, Samuel. So yes, God wanted a, a, a prophet. Hannah wanted a son. So what God did was to, was to put a burden in her heart. And as she prayed out that burden, God accomplished his agenda through her. In John chapter 11, we, chapter, verse 33 to 39, we see the story of um Lazarus being raised from the dead and the Bible said that Jesus Christ was the way the Bible puts it he he was he was he was sorrowful he was grieved and because of that burden he carried it propelled him to um speak and raise Lazarus from the dead so every time there's a burden in our heart God wants to accomplish an agenda through us all right um oh sorry not this um God wants to accomplish an agenda through us all right, so this is where we stop for today. Don't forget the two main ways, or two, two ways rather we, we looked at in today's study. Two ways that the Holy Spirit helps us pray. Number one is by quickening us, and number two is by giving us a burden, a spiritual burden. Some, some of you might have felt a burden to pray for Nigeria. It is God trying to accomplish something through. In fact, you know the interesting thing about a burden is that your neighbor, or your brother, or your sister, or your wife or husband, may not even have the same body with you. But you just, in fact, you might be in the same country, for instance, but then the Holy Spirit might be placing a body for you to pray about the aviation sector or pray about the financial sector or pray about the petroleum sector. But then your, your brother, your sibling, or your husband or wife may not have the same body as, as you do. So bodies are usually individualistic in their character. Right, usually individualistic. However, you you can trace at the same time that there might be several other people that may have the same burden, you know, to pray. So if I call my friend, for instance, my friend may tell me that, oh yes, so he has had the same burden to pray for for the country, or he has had the same burden to pray for transport industry or whatever it is. So God will place the body individually in our heart, but yet we will not be the only ones that um, that carry that burden. Okay. All right, so we have come to the end. Um, we have just a few minutes. So I want to ask us, I want to ask us um, to share our experiences or share something we'll learn and then we'll pray for, for about three to five minutes before we go, all right? So I'm going to stop my slides, stop sharing my slides now. What I want to do is please share your experiences in either of these two points. So share with us an experience of how you of you being quickened or share with us an experience of um of a burden that was on your heart and then you carried out the burden or you prayed out the burden you know or any of this experience please go ahead and share with us anyone if you're on zoom don't forget to mute your unmute your mic so we can hear you if you are on mixeller um please type in your your comments and I'll read it out to everyone. All right, so this is the time for us to, to, to share from our own experiences, you know, 
what you have you experienced being quickened before? Have you experienced a burden in your heart before? Or do you have a question on this point quickly? And then we will pray. Anyone? Anyone share experience? Um, Mixeller, I'm looking out for your comments. So please feel free to drop it. Okay. All right. If there's no experience, then one person, or no, two people rather, tell us one thing you've learned from today's Bible study, and then we'll go ahead to pray. One thing you've learned from today's Bible study, and then we'll go ahead to pray. Two people should help us just share with us one thing you learned from today's Bible study. On MixLR2, you can as well drop your learning points. Yeah. One thing you learned, one thing you learned, one thing you learned. Someone wants to volunteer for us, or do you want me to call you out? Um, anybody? Okay, Faith, share with us one thing you learned from today's Bible study. Faith, are you there? One thing you learned from today's Bible study. More of like an encouragement and a reminder of um, not, you know, when we, we probably, you know, you said something about beyond discipline that mm. the spirit quickens. So it's one thing to say, I want to discipline myself to pray for one hour, two hours. That beyond that is yielding to the spirit of God to quicken you mm -hmm. and. That, that made a, a whole lot of sense to me. And also you mentioned something about um, when you have a nudge in your heart or a burden and you should um, not just say, oh, I'll come back to it. Or that in the moment of time, this sometimes it's time sensitive and you're supposed to just mm -hmm. key into it and then pray and watch what God will do through you and you. So yes, that's that made a um, whole lot of sense to me. And then you also mentioned something about when you have been, maybe you probably started off as a duty and then when you are quickened, you see that there's probably a change in your tone and it happens. I've mm -hmm. noticed it too. Probably your, your, your tongues change or it feels like more like you're groaning rather mm -hmm. than even altering words. It's more like mm -hmm. deeper. Yeah, so thank you. Yes, yes, thank you, thank you very much. Thank you so much for sharing your learning points. Okay, Adiola in the comment section on Zoom said, what she learned, never dismiss a burden and stay in the place of prayer. That means don't rush in the place of prayer. Awesome, awesome, thank you so much, Adiola. Um, all right, one more person, what did you learn today? What are we going back with? And then we pray. One more person. Um, Mixela, I don't see any comment from anyone. What did you learn today? What is your um, light bulb moment or your learning moment? Please drop it um, and then we'll, we'll pray. Okay, so Idara says, a mixer she says, I learned that even, sorry, Joy, okay. Okay, there are two comments actually. Um, Idara says, if you aren't in the place of prayer, you will faint. Okay, it says, um, then she also said, said again that stay in the place of prayer until the body is lifted. 
Awesome, awesome. Thank you very much. So if you're not in the place of prayer, you will faint and then stay in the place of prayer until the burden is lifted. And then Joy also dropped a, dropped a comment. She said, I learned that even though the spirit quickens, discipline and obedience to his nudging is what leads us to that point of being quickened. Amazing. I really love the way you put it. Let me read that again. It says, even though the spirit quickens, discipline and obedience to his nudging is what leads us to the point of being quickened. Hallelujah. Awesome. Thank you so much, everyone, for sharing. So we're going to pray. I want to spend some time praying um, for three minutes. And our prayer point is simple. Holy Spirit, if I let's read um, 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 Zachariah chapter, um, Zachariah chapter, what's this now? Chapter 12, verse 10, yes. Zachariah chapter 12, verse 10. That's where we were praying from. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. It says, And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced and they shall mourn for him. And on and on. My emphasis is that first, first um, phrase. It says, I will pour upon them the spirit of grace and supplication. And this is what I want us to pray. I want to pray and say, Lord, pour upon me the spirit of grace and supplication. Let my prayer life not be the same. Let my prayer life experience a change in the name of Jesus Christ. All right? We're praying and say, Lord, pour upon me the spirit of grace and supplication. Let us pray. Pour upon me, O Lord, the spirit of grace and supplication. Where I have struggled in prayer, Lord, let your spirit come and aid me. Pour upon me the spirit of grace and supplication. Be regulated by how I feel. I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace. I'm Lord, pour upon me the spirit of grace and supplication. Pour upon me the spirit of grace and supplication. Pour upon me the spirit of grace and supplication. Pour upon me the spirit of grace and supplication. Let me speak longer in the Let me engage deeper in the Holy Ghost. Rabagato Sonka, Adabarato Shikaya, Rebe Kotosko Santelemantua, Adaga Bakure Magala, Bakure Magala, Bakura Kabasia. 
Father, we pray that you baptize us with the spirit of grace and supplication. Jesus will bless you you. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, we have prayed. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray for every one of us here, those that will listen even later, and every member of our community. According to your word, O Lord, in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, for you said you pour upon us the spirit, the spirit of grace and of supplication. We ask, Lord, that the spirit of prayer be poured upon everyone. Let us desire to pray. Let us enjoy praying. Let us love to pray. Let every weakness in our souls be overwhelmed by the strength and the supply of the Holy Spirit. That prayer will be our 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 first and always response to situations that will be consistent in prayer we will not faint in the door of adversity because we will we will pray we will pray for your word says men ought always to pray and not to faint we receive the grace for prayer we receive the, the strength to pray whatever weakness anyone whose prayer life has been attacked we rebuke that attack in the name of jesus christ we declare that every attack on anyone prayer life right now ends in the name of Jesus. Let a fresh hunger for prayer be ignited. Let a fresh desire for prayer be stirred up in our hearts in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we bless your name. We say thank you. That as you quicken us, as you place burdens in our hearts, we will respond to them accordingly and we will experience the, 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 the ministration of the Holy Spirit in our lives in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we give you glory. We bless your holy name. Thank you, everlasting Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. All right, so we're closing now. Just um, three quick announcements. Number one is, is there anyone who is joining us today for the very first time? Whether you're joining on Midseller or you're joining on Zoom, 
please indicate, let me, let us know where you're joining us from. Let us know who invited you or how you got to find out about us. All right, please, anyone join us for the very first time, kindly let us know. Just let us know your name, who you're, where you're joining us from, and then who invited you um, as well. All right, on Mixella and on Zoom, we're waiting for you. Okay, while we're waiting for them, um, uh, second announcement is this, that we are going to have a prayer campaign starting from next week. Um, next week being 25th, right? Prayer campaign from the 25th of October to the 30th of October. What does the prayer campaign mean? Prayer campaign means we're going to pray every single day for about 30, 30 minutes to one hour on Mixed LR, every single day from 25th of October to the 30th of October. All right, we're going to spend time praying together. Every one of us together, praying, praying together um, on Mixed LR. This will be on Mixed LR alone, okay? And the purpose of this is to reignite a prayer culture and also to reignite prayer fire for every single member of our community, okay? So that's our prayer campaign starting from the 25th of October to the 30th of October. That's next week, Monday, to the Saturday of that week, all right? And in the same vein, we made this announcement last week, but we're starting what we call what we call prayer cluster, right? Prayer cluster is, um, um, well, let's call it an initiative of the community to facilitate, you know, the Bible says that the fire on their altar must never go down. So prayer altar is to fulfill that instruction. I'm sorry, prayer clusters, I beg your pardon, is to fulfill that instruction, meaning an avenue for every member of our community to pray together once every week, okay? So how this works is that we have, we are, everyone who registers, who indicates interest, will be, will be shared into various groups, right? Various um, groups. And then each group will meet once every week, right? Just once every week to pray for at least 30 minutes together, okay? And that's it. So you meet in every week to pray together for at least 30 minutes um, um, together, right? So I put the link for that to register on in the chat section. So if you're on Zoom, please check the chats. If you're on Mixeller, also check the chats. That is the link to register for prayer cluster. Please don't say you registered next week or tomorrow. Register right now. As you see in the link, tap on it and register immediately. It's going to be an awesome um, experience. Just people together praying in smaller groups, right? Not the whole community praying at together, but smaller groups um, praying together. I say five people, six people, maximum 10 people praying together um, at, as one, selecting one day of the week to pray together. This will further push the adventure of prayer in our hearts. Okay, so anyone joining us for the very first time? Um, I see Victoria on, on Zoom. Is this your first time? Forgive me if I'm wrong, but um, is this your first time? If it is, would really love to meet you. All right. Um, so that's it. Hi, Victoria. Are you there? Okay. All right. So lastly, we're meeting next week. And next week is the last Tuesday of the month. And as always, we're going to spend that time praying. All right. So next week is a prayer meeting. Looking forward to have, having every one of us um, together next week. Um, by this week, hopefully by tomorrow, we'll send out the flyers for both the prayer clusters and then our prayer campaign. So you can have the dates and every other information at your disposal. 
Thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you. Invite someone next week and um, stay blessed. All right. Have a blessed week. Bye, everyone.